Personally, I love nothing more than to spend time outdoors with my loved ones and pets, especially during the fall and winter time when it's nice and cool outside and all the leaves change color. There's something entrancing about it to me. Welcome back to the swamp and welcome if you're new. Today I'm going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true deep woods horror stories that will freak you out tonight. Now, if you're new and you have a story that you would like to share, be sure to send it in at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I would love to share your story in a future episode. Not Going Into the Forest Again by No Big. This happened to my roommate and me two years ago when we drove into the National Forest just outside of our town. We go to a small college in New England, about three hours from any major city. For context, the forest has quite a few urban legends, and the local community has many superstitions about being safe while in there, although they go there very often. I had just broken up with my partner, and my roommate could sense that I was feeling down. Finals were just around the corner, so she decided to help me get my mind off things and suggested we go to a nice spot she had found last week and chill and de-stress. So we took a couple of beers and drove down to this secluded forest. Then we left the main asphalt road in the woods. I saw some things that unsettled me. You could see the abandoned houses of a ghost town from higher ground the route was on. And we saw this old doll hanging from a rope on a tree. Creepy stuff, but I didn't give a second thought about driving forward. We got to a clearing, parked our car behind some trees, popped open the back of our SUV, and started talking and playing music. Somewhere around 10 minutes into this, two cars appeared from the road and parked in the clearing as well. My friend didn't pay them any attention. Instead, she kept talking, but as I was facing them from where I sat, I couldn't stop seeing what they did. A guy popped out of each car talked for a few minutes, and then I saw them take out a long object covered in dark plastic bags from the back of one of their cars. This is when I noticed these guys had guns, and not like shotguns which I often see in this town, but handguns. Then they started lighting the bag on fire. I told my friend to get down and she turned around and saw them for the first time. Black smoke was rising from the bag and between trying to keep my head down and steal glances at them. I saw them take out a second object and heard them shoot at it right before they set it on fire. I don't know how long my friend and I were lying there in silence, but it was definitely enough to let that terror sink in and whisper to each of us. I don't know how long my friend and I were actually lying there in silence, but it was definitely enough to let the terror sink in. We tried to whisper to each other how much we loved each other in case this was what we thought it was. At some point, I looked up and saw that they were pointing at our car and saw them walking into the woods, maybe trying to follow our tracks, trying to look for us. Right then, I told my friend to jump into the driver's seat and make a run for it. I shut the back door, and between that and the car starting up, the guys heard it and started running towards us. They then ran towards one of their cars and hopped in. We went over a hill, driving away above what was safe for dirt roads on a hillside, and eventually we lost them. We moved to a neighboring town and roamed to ensure no one was following us before we went back to our dorm. That day, we tried to make fun of the whole situation and got drunk before finally breaking down and crying from knowing we had seen something we were not supposed to. We were terrified of telling anyone, but eventually we did tell the officers on campus who contacted the police, but we never found or heard anything again. That's Not an Elk by 
jelly bean. Hey Swamp Dweller, with fall setting in and hunting season upon us in big sky country Montana, there's always something to be had. Our elk hunt started 1st of September, and with that, my family takes it seriously as we love the game and hunt along with stories and memories shared. This year was a bit different. My cousin and I were about six miles in our collective nine-mile hike, and we had what I would put as an encounter. But as any elk hunter would know, the terrain comes at a cost, and with this year's price, we were a little shaken up. As we were hiking through the thick brush and steep shell rock terrain, we took a quick break. We were having a late day snack and my cousin decided to let off some bugles for fun. Well, the sound that came back to us was more than off-putting. We heard what sounded like an elk bugle at the beginning, which turned into a dog-like, maybe even human-like scream. We were shocked, so my cousin decided to make another attempt at communicating and lo and behold, Right after this next bugle, the noise came again, but it was much closer. When you're in the thick of it and a bugle comes through, it's usually less than 100 yards away as obstruction with trees and brush distorts sound travel. So we decided to hike toward the noise as I was sure this had to be some sort of beast we've never seen before. We expected some response and wanted it. Well, we expected something else, I'd say. But as all the other levels have proven, when you're in the area of the supernatural, all ambience noise is void, and you are hyper alert. We ended up hiking out with no more issues besides being shaken up and full of adrenaline, and hopeful stories of us being able to spot something, but it was uneventful and fruitless. I'm not sure what we heard that day in the woods. Maybe it was just some sort of elk, but maybe it had some sort of health condition. But the way it sounded, the distortion behind its voice and how it seemingly responded to our calls perfectly every time. It's definitely, uh, it's definitely weird. Michaud State Forest by Logan This event happened 14 years ago. I was 13 years old at the time. My family loved camping in our trailer, so we decided to go camping in the middle of Easter break. This trailer was over 20 years old, so it didn't look enjoyable. We decided to go to the Michaud State Forest. This was about 2,000 miles away from us. Once we got there, we noticed only one other camper at the campsite. This camper looked brand new and had no windows. Our family was not concerned. However, being younger, I was kind of freaked out. I have always been a paranoid child for whatever reason. I read stories about how kidnappers who would live in the middle of nowhere, in state forest and just woods in general, and always have these types of campers. That night we decided to make a campfire to toast some marshmallows. Every once in a while I would look back at that trailer and wonder who was there. After we ate all of our s'mores, we went to sleep. I decided to lock the door and I had a strange feeling that we needed to close it. I'm a very light sleeper so I woke up to the sound of the door handle rattling ever so slightly. I saw I was the only one awake, so I was petrified. I decided to sit up, look out the window. Outside, there was an older man that was jiggling the doorknob. It was, of course, locked, but he was still trying to open the door like no one's business. Even more frightening, he was holding a knife. I immediately, after seeing that, woke up my parents. The older man heard me wake up my parents because he had run into the woods. After they listened to what had happened, we packed up all of our stuff, drove out of there, and reported it to the police. 
and they checked the area where we were. The new camper was still there at the campsite. When they went inside the trailer, they found a deceased body of a family of five. There were knife wounds all over their bodies. I can't imagine what would have happened if we didn't lock that door that night. My husband and I play music together. And in August 2017, we were on tour through Nevada and California. We decided after Reno that we'd drive through Yosemite to our next show in Fresno. We opted to take the arguably less scenic route, traveling down the California-Nevada border. By the time we made it to the 120 for Yosemite, it was dark. But since our van was our home and we didn't have to mess with the tent, we weren't that concerned. We figured we would just stop at the first campsite we saw along the route, park the van, and explore the next day. The further we go, the darker it seems to get. And for being one of the most populated national parks, it seems very dead. It's a little after 1am, and while my husband continues to look for any sign of anything, I lean back and I start to doze off. While we slowly drive through these windy two-lane forest roads... I feel the car slow to a stop, and the low music that we're listening to gets cut. I'm still leaning back, and I'm about to ask what's going on, but just as I started to speak, Ryan did too. Amanda, Amanda, look, look, do you see that? I lean my seat up, and about 50 yards in front of us, partially lit by our headlights, is a figure standing on the side of the road, wearing all white. Shoulders square, head down, but facing the direction we're approaching. Ryan asks if I think it's a ghost, and I'm genuinely considering it a possibility. We haven't seen a town, a person, or even a car for hours. There's just no reason for a person to be out here, especially so close to the road. Ryan slowly releases his foot from the brakes, letting the van crawl forward towards the figure standing on the side of the road. When our headlights cast a full light onto the entity, it's about 25 yards in front of us when Ryan leans pressure back on the brakes. It's a man, barefoot, wearing a white button-up shirt and flowy taekwondo-esque looking pants. His stoicism is unbroken as we approached. We just stared at him, and he stared back at us. Clean-cut, shaggy brown hair, mid-twenties or thirties. He no longer resembled a ghost. The bottom cuffs of his pants were torn and dirty, and I thought that I could see a shadow behind him in the light. His hand wasn't outstretched as if he was hitchhiking, nor did he have any belongings with him. I don't know if he was even looking at us or just through us, like he was standing with his attention fixed, with or without a van shining its beams in his face, like his eyes, they didn't even squint when the light hit. Something felt so off. I remember saying my husband's name out loud in a tone that definitely conveyed concern. I know I wanted to speed up and get past this man. Without a word, Ryan hits the gas and we zip past him. We both had goosebumps the remainder of that drive, and I was wide awake for the rest of it too. 
We drove for a while without stopping, but eventually we made ourselves turn into a campground, opting for a spot underneath what seemed to be the only streetlight in the entire place. If you're entering the park from the east, this was just before Tioga Pass, right before the east entrance of Yosemite. Wild Animal Attack by J. Alvarez Hello Swamp Dweller, the following event happened when I was 14 years old. I am now 48. I have never told anyone what happened that day so long ago, but I struggle every day to forget this. I was born and raised in Puerto Rico, in a town very close to El Yunque Rainforest. My friends and I always used to go fishing and explore parts of El Yunque. On this day, me and my friend Jose went swimming and fishing for some time since the school was out. We took our usual route on our bikes. We hid them and continued on foot up the mountain to the creek where we swam all the time. We had a blast with some tourists that found the stream. The tourists eventually left and we stayed behind. We started to do some fishing close by when we realized it was getting dark very quickly. We did not bring flashlights with us because we had forgotten, and around that time there were no cell phones. We struggled to find our way back. We were falling and sliding all around. We came to a stop when we heard trees and branches snapping ahead of us. We thought it could be wild pigs or dogs. So we climbed one of the trees and stayed silent to see what it was. A few minutes passed and Jose got down from the tree. He was trying to join me where I was. I can see him in the darkness due to the moonlight shining when he just disappeared. It was like he was swept off his feet by something. I kept quiet. Maybe I was afraid, but I stayed silent. I didn't even attempt to try to find him. I, I looked from the tree I was in until I heard him call my name. For some reason, something inside of me told me not to answer. I then saw him run past my tree, and five seconds later I listened to a commotion nearby, and he started screaming for help. I was petrified. I didn't know what to do. I was a child watching my best friend getting hurt. I blamed myself for not trying to help. I was just... I was just stuck in a trance of fear. I can hear him being dragged away by something in the darkness. I stayed on the tree for hours until the next day's light. I ran down the mountain without looking back. I grabbed my bike and went straight home. My parents were not home because they had gone to work. They did not know I was even missing the night before. Jose's parents alerted the police and I said that he was not with me the night back. I was afraid they would blame me for what happened to him. They searched for days and on the fourth day they found him, or what was left of him. His belly was torn open, his eyes and tongue were missing, and police said there was nothing indicating animal predation. So what happened to him? I think about this all the time. Maybe if I had helped him, he'd still be here. Why was I such a coward? National Park Murder by Rebecca H. I was 20 years old. I left home when I was 16 and decided to explore the world and see what I could find. I have been in Texas and Louisiana most of my life. I had been raised in Louisiana for the most part. I went from Missouri to New York to California and anywhere in the United States that I could go. But finally I decided to go home. Until then, I had been staying in Oklahoma when I received a phone call from my mom saying she might be dying from cancer. I come to find out later that she wasn't, she just wanted me home. 
I was hitchhiking through Oklahoma and was near the Chickasaw National Park. In two days, I still needed to catch a ride, sticking out my thumb doing all that and nobody stopped. So I said oh well and pitched a tent in the National Park. I decided to explore some and followed the paved road until I got to a camping area. A fire pit was off a little from the road and there was a clear area. There were picnic tables so I decided that's where I was going to camp that night. I explored a little bit and followed a deer trail into the woods. As I was walking I looked to la As I was walking I looked to my left on the ground and a hawk was lying there with no head and had been burned off. An eerie feeling came over me, but I just brushed it away as me being paranoid. I already had paranormal experiences, but I never encountered one involving animals. So I walked out and returned to where I decided to pitch my tent that night. I sat there until it darkened, and then I set my tent up. I left the tent flap open because it was very relaxed that afternoon, and it was a nice cool day. Finally night came, and the street lamps along the paved road came on. The lights were good enough to where I could read a book. At that time, I was reading Anne Rice's Queen of the Damned. As time went on, I started to get sleepy and I reached up to zip up my tent flap and looked over to the street light directly in front of my tent. Standing there, under the street light was a creature as tall as the street light itself. Well, maybe not as tall, but perhaps a couple of inches below it. Its hair was wild, very long, and tangled looking. It looked a little hunched. I couldn't see any eyes because the hair seemed to be in front of its face. Its fur was all black from what I could tell, but the little skin that seemed to stick out was as white as chalk, and what little bit of skin I could see were its hands, which went past its knees. The hands were just hanging there. Their nails were black, very black, so dark it seemed to absorb the light itself. It just stood there and seemed like the air surrounding it was like vibrating. There was static, it seemed. The air just felt energized. Don't get me wrong, I was very startled and afraid. I didn't know what this thing was at all. Then suddenly, underneath the hair, I could see white start to show as if the creature was smiling at me. It stood there for a very long time. Finally, as I was looking at it, something came over me. Now, you may not believe me. You might say this story isn't true, but I know what happened. I know that this occurred. I grew angry and I grew furious. I felt rage inside of me and it, it just grew solid. I stared the creature down, got out of my tent, stood up and looked straight at it and said, I am not afraid of you. You have no power over me. I then started reciting prayers. It seemed to make the creature laugh almost and all that did was make me even angrier. I stood there once again and told it the same thing, but I was not afraid of it. It had no power over me and I began to recite more prayers. I wasn't sure why I was doing this, it's just something that I felt was right and I had seen this so many times from my grandma over the years when she felt that there was demons or evil spirits around. I stood there staring at it for what seemed like the longest time. White hot rage grew inside of me when suddenly I heard a loud snap behind me. I turned around quickly to find out what the noise was. There was nothing there. And then a thought quickly occurred to me that this thing was probably behind me now. I turned around quickly and again looked towards the streetlight but it was no longer there. I bundled up in my sleeping bag after it disappeared. That night as I slept, I had horrible nightmares of this creature standing over me, laughing with a toothy grin. The following day, I packed up my stuff and looked toward the streetlight where the thing had been standing. There was what looked like blood on the street lamp pole. I no longer had that anger I had. I was now terrified, so I gathered all my stuff and got out of there as quickly as possible. I headed to the highway, stuck out my thumb, and someone finally picked me up. I have never been back to Chickasaw National Park, 
and I don't think I ever will. I never plan on going there ever again. A warning, be careful where you camp. You never know who you might come across, what you might come across. You might not believe what I have written, but it did happen and it did occur to me. Thank you for taking the time to read The Swamp Dweller, and if anybody may know what creature that may have been, comments are very welcome. A Shapeshifter Ruined My Fishing Trip by Kyle E. This is the time I swear I heard and saw a skimwalker or shapeshifter with two of my friends. At the time I lived in North Carolina, I won't say where precisely for privacy reasons, but my friends Caden, Alex, and I decided it would be a fun idea if we went camping with some weed and some alcohol and just a 38 on us. We collectively decided to go to a nice trail near a lake that we all enjoyed, and it seemed relaxing, but man, was I wrong. It took an hour and a half to get to the campsite. So when we got there, we weren't really in the mood to set up at first. We wanted to talk or we wanted to walk around for a bit and see the lovely lake view. After we chilled out for a bit, we all agreed it was time to set up because it was going to get dark soon. So Alex and I set up the camp while Caden started the fire and put rabbit stew over it. This next part is essential. I remember Alex saying, Hey, can you help me with this? Because he couldn't put the rods in the loop. A little after Alex and I were done, we asked Caden to see if the dinner was ready, and he said it would be shortly. It was at this moment I suddenly felt cold down my neck, like I was being watched. So I put on my holster for 38. My friends noticed this and asked what was wrong. I told them I felt like I was being watched, and they shrugged it off as some sort of joke, and I immediately felt a little better after this. Fast forward three hours, and we were by the campfire, smoking our joints and drinking, when I felt a cold rush through me again. I didn't want to say anything about it this time, so I told them I was getting tired, and they all agreed. So we put out the fire, and Alex said he had to take a leak, and Kaden and I said fine. So we packed up trash and put out the fire. Not a minute later, we both heard Alex call us from the woods. Hey, can you help me with this? But it was weird, because it was in a distorted voice and impossible, because we saw Alex go right out of the camp, and this came from the left. This freaked Caden and me out, so we called Alex on my phone to see if what he needed. I was already scared enough, I didn't want to go into the woods. He picked up and said, what? I replied, what do you need help with, man? And he said, what do you mean? I immediately pulled out my 38 and told him to get back to the site as quickly as he could. I stayed on call with him so I could hear the leaves crunching on call, but I didn't listen to it outside the camp. So I knew he went a little way. Then I heard again, Hey, can you help me with this? Now honestly, I'm not a tough guy on the inside or out, so my eyes started to tear up from pure fear. As I turned and saw Caden, I saw him with the same face. We both knew it wasn't Alex calling out, but it sounded exactly like him. So we were terrified. It felt like an eternity, but most likely was only 20 seconds later when we heard footsteps coming from the right of the camp. We peeked out the tent and saw Alex with his phone. We told him what had happened, and he did not believe us. He said we couldn't handle being crossfaded, which was slightly true, but we told him that this was actually, like, not even a joke. This was real. He wanted to go check it out, so he asked for the pistol. I told him no, so he said, Come with me then. Me being stupid, I gave in because he was my friend and he was also calling me a pussy. We got out of the tent and walked toward the area. When we walked for about five seconds, the smell of pure death hit my nose and made me gag. I knew we were near a dead animal. Alex wanted to walk a little bit further, so we did. And then, that's when we heard it. Hey, 
can you help me with this? And we saw a seven foot tall pale creature standing on its hind legs. Its legs were crooked. Its eyes had a white glow to it. And without hesitation, I pulled out my gun and shot six rounds into its chest. We all ran back to the camp when we heard it growl and scream. We didn't know if it was following us or if it was because I packed the shit out of it, but we left as fast as we could. We packed up almost all we could, and I'm pretty sure we didn't leave much behind, if anything. This took place a few years ago and still makes me feel sick to even think about it. Please let me know in the comments what you guys think about this. Thanks for listening to these creepy and downright strange deep woods horror stories that are allegedly true. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. If you enjoyed these stories tonight, be sure to slap that like button in the face so it really feels it. Subscribe to the channel if you're new as it helps us grow a ton. And be sure to comment down below letting me know your favorite story tonight and the code word national terror. This lets me know how many of you guys make it to the very end and it's funny to see the confusion in the comments with everybody being like, what the heck are you talking about? What's the national terror? The national terror is your mama not knowing what Shrek 2 is. Anyways, let's move on. I really appreciate all of your support on a daily basis on my channel. If you're on the go but don't have YouTube premium and still want to download and listen to your favorite Swamp Dwellers carry stories no matter where you go, you can download them absolutely free from Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. You can also find content on my new Patreon page where I upload ad-free versions of these videos. You can also find free downloads there. You can also get Patreon-exclusive videos that don't fit YouTube because of their ever-changing terms of service and all kinds of other stuff over there. You can find a link to that in the description as well.